Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fire Knife Life podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have the amazing Kanani Asuenga from Lokelani's Rhythm of the Islands. She's an ambassador of Tahitian culture, Ori Tahiti. She's a champion. She talks a lot about her goals and uh, the, the role that dancing has played in her life and her journey. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this next episode. Also, before you do that, I want you to go to the Facebook group of Mana Collective, Instagram, the Mana Collective, and monocollective.com to find out more about Polynesian content that we're going to be putting out. And we have our Kickstarter coming up soon for the short film. So please, if you can, if you can contribute anything, that will be awesome. But without further ado, let's hear it for Kanani. So... But yeah, let's get underway because I would love, man, I can't wait to learn more about your journey and things like that. So, all right. All right, here we go. All right, three, two, one. Aloha, Telefy, everybody. Welcome to the Fire Knife Life podcast. It's your host, world champion, Fire Knife Dancer Rex T. Malu. And today we have a real special guest. We had her dad on a couple of weeks ago, but this uh, this lady right here has. A lot of accolades to her to her name. She is a champion station dancer. She is a teacher. She is a well-renowned, a world-renowned dancer and ambassador for all women dancers out there and for all of us that are involved with the Polynesian entertainment industry. Let's hear for Kanani Asuenga. How are you doing? Aloha. Hi, everybody. Hi, Rex. Hey. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on here. Yeah, I... Uh, as a lot of us see your journey on Instagram, we see you uh, teaching and all of that. We just want to, you know, get into the some mind of the artist. You know, this is what it's kind of all about. You know, we all uh, see each other in this space and wanted to get to know more about your journey. So I think uh, one of the first questions I would like to ask is, how did you get started? I know you're a part of Lokelani's and I know your dad and them have been around the the Polynesian circuit your whole, uh, like, forever now. So how did you yeah. get started? What did you... When did you first develop your love for this art form? So, uh, my parents, like uh, my dad was on the podcast before. Uh, my mom and dad, Kathleen Aswinga, has a studio, Lokilani's Rhythm of the Islands, in Orange County, California. And I grew up in it basically ever since I was born. The studio was uh, created before I was born and just coming into it. Um, it's funny because people ask me similar questions like this, like, when did you love it? And I probably didn't find my love and passion for dancing until I got into like middle school. Because really? before, because before it was like, a um, my it was my family's business, we were there every day after school, you just get dropped off at the studio, you go to class, you go home, like it seemed like this very normal thing. It was like brushing my teeth. I didn't see the beauty of it mm-hmm. until about oh no not middle school actually like around like I loved it in middle school but I didn't I still didn't care for it as much and then my freshman year I was like 15 and my mom had me start teaching she needed more help around the studio and when she put me in the duty of teaching I saw the whole studio art everything through a different perspective and I just started to care about it more because at the time at 15 I didn't know why I loved it I just like was seeing it through like helping people and training people and then seeing it through my mom's perspective and my dad's perspective versus being a line dancer Mm -hmm. um I got to go I got to like find new love for it through yeah a different perspective and so 
Um, once I started teaching, I actually cared about my own dancing because I had to be a good example for the kids or whoever I was teaching. And so before, I just didn't pay attention to my own personal dancing. And then it affected the studio. So then I had to better myself. And then I had to take more time in like craft, in my own craft, in my own body, in my own mind. And then teaching ignited that. And then because now that like I, how do I say this? Like with that understanding, I just actually grew a bigger love for it. And so I started becoming a better dancer so I can become a better teacher. And that's kind of how it started for me, pretty much. I realized I loved teaching and creating and being backstage more than being on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was still I was still a line dancer. I'm still a line dancer to this day, too. And so uh, I've found love in both of them. But for sure, my passion is in teaching and and sharing. And I think it's because I watched my parents do it for so long, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, yeah, that's how it started. Yeah, I love that. Actually, that it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, your journey is kind of equal to mine. You know, I uh, my parents were the same way. My parents uh, danced for SeaWorld and Disney and all these places, and I didn't really know it was that unique until I got older and started competing for myself. And I was just always wanting to dance and competing. But when I started to teach classes, that's when I actually felt the joy. And things and for you dancing now or for you teaching are you always refining your skills and like what is your process and and teaching or competing and doing shows like what is the different mindsets you have to be in i know that's probably like a really broad question but no that's you that's like three different minds for sure like show teaching to competition Mm -hmm. are definitely three different mindsets um for uh going on to shows well hmm. Let me think like for teaching, I'm very um, hands on. Like I make my I try to make my classes very like hands on and personal. So I always have my assistant in front and then I walk around and like try to like uh, fix someone's shoulders or encourage them closer to their ear instead of like in front of the class. Mm -hmm. So my teaching style is definitely more personal and I like disregard myself completely and I just put all my heart and focus into the students and then. Um, my trusty assistant, Ali Zamora, or um, my other dancers too, my other lead dancers, they will be up front, be the body while I get to go around and be the uh, voice in everyone's ear. Mm-hmm. So when I go into teaching, I just try to like erase whatever's happening in my outside life, like my own personal life, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and put it aside to make sure my, my mind is in the right place to give myself to the students. Mm-hmm. That would definitely be like the teaching mindset. Um, going into a show and competition, some they're kind of the same, just with a different like map of what I choose to do for competition state competition floor and show floor. I make a point to involve my audience or my surroundings in what I'm doing, so that it becomes like beyond myself and more of an energetic uh, exchange between me and the judges, me and the audience, me and my dancers next to me, my line dancers or the girls I'm competing with. I just try to like. I don't know, take it from the outside perspective also, because when you're doing a competition, for example, in a solo competition, you're all by yourself, you're in your own mind, there's only you that can help you, and things like that. And then I would get really hard on myself and think of it too much of like a uh, personal experience. So when I went on stage, I took what I learned from shows, which was entertaining Mm -hmm. people, 
And that was my background before stepping on a competition floor. Like on the show floor, you're very entertaining. It's all about you and the audience. And for me to feel more comfortable on the competition floor, I'll make my solos engaging to the people in front of me. So it doesn't feel like I'm just like trying to have the best fa'arapu by myself in my own head. I'll turn around. You hear tika tika. And I'll look at the audience eye to eye and just try to play with them a little bit. And yeah. yeah. And then I, I probably wouldn't have been able, I probably wouldn't have understand it understood that idea if it wasn't for shows so shows gave me the entertainment um engagement aspect of my competition performance and then the difference from show to competition is i just dance harder (laughs) honestly (laughs) yeah i love that but oh yeah sorry i'm cutting you off sorry no no um but yeah that's i think that's that for sure yeah i feel the same way with uh i think for us in florida we're all just about entertainment because that's what we do full time. And so like, we never thought that West coast did shows, you know? So hearing this is Mm. pretty crazy to me because like, we all thought like, you know, West coast is always about the competition and always that like, that's so funny. I hear that. Yeah. Which is a funny thing. I I mean, I got to remember that, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if you agree with this myself, but for people that do entertain and stuff, do you think that's made you like done shows and stuff? Do you think that's made you a better competitive dancer in, in doing that and like doing shows for like oh, random completely. people? Yeah. Oh, completely. It it helps with your comfortability on stage for sure. And like, cause you just have more exposure of being on a stage in front of random people all the time. But on the competition floor, like for solo competition, or solo competitions, your stage presence is a column to be judged on. And my, all my stage presence, presence comes from my entertainment side. And um, my mom and my dad come from entertainment industries, too, because competitions weren't really a thing until they started having groups. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah. And so my mom, she always like we would like uh, lift our eyebrows, bat our eyelashes, like do all kind <laughs> like hula hula faces all day long. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for the entertainment background. Yeah, no, definitely. And I and I think the difference between California or West Coast to like show worlds in Florida or in Hawaii too, Mm -hmm. is that our shows are just more like backyard shows Mm -hmm. versus, you know, like big company hotel shows. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's like few, like Tapua had one good, good uh, job at uh, the Hilton or Hyatt. It was one of the H hotels. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like a, a, something that doesn't come around often for us. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. But for the most part, I did like backyard shows, halls and all those kind of things. But and when I was, I had a six month entertainment contract in Okinawa and hey. I was dancing. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great time. And that's where I met dancers from Hawaii for like the first time, like in depth met them. And they were telling me like, you guys do shows? And I was like, yeah, we do shows. And they were like, like luau shows. I was like, yeah, they're luau shows, but for someone's like wedding or what do they, I think they call them like um, a different word than, I can't think of what they called them, like side shows, but. Yeah. But same experience, same same values to it, just in a different environment. Yeah. I love that. I think sometimes we got to remember that they're not really mutually exclusive. We can use both to our advantage. And for, like, for this next question, I think for all of us that see you on, you know, YouTube and seeing you teach and seeing the end results, seeing the finished product of, of your hard work, um, how much work do you put in? To competition or when you're creating things for either Lokilani's or things like that like 
what are some of the things you had to overcome, like hardest obstacles to overcome in building your skills and creating? I know that's probably another long-winded answer, but I think I'm very curious because we all see, we all see what you guys do on that day, on competition day or show day. But what are some mm-hmm. things you has over, have to overcome and and obstacles you go through doing those things? I love your questions, first of all, too. Um, well one thing like for me personally is that I'm so young mm-hmm. so I'm only 22 which is crazy and... to me I didn't I thought I thought you, you I mean thought we were the same age but... no <laughs> yeah I am a baby hey. and um I mean like common things like my fellow people older than me could understand like the difference the different mindset you had at 15 mm-hmm. to 18 to 18 to 21 and then me just having 22 I think like I had to overcome my surroundings because I had a different mindset. I wanted to be in a different place than maybe my classmates were. And so I had to like learn how to separate myself from the mindsets that my classmates at a young age had versus me. So like my friends who wanted to mess around after school, as much as I wanted to mess around after school, I also had a competition that to prepare for. And so it was really hard to like, separate my life and that was like one thing I had to overcome Mm -hmm. and like remember like what do you actually care about do you care about you know hanging out with your friends after school or do you care about like um having your goal and succeeding your goal whatever that may be big or small but it was like my choice to be successful in ways that I find myself successful or feel confident or go and mess around and do nothing kind of thing (laughs) and so I I missed my friends and I felt like a lot of times I had no one to like relate to in my friend group mm-hmm. other than it, obviously dance friends are we all get it with each other but that was kind of a weird thing and that's also what like why I think I didn't love dancing until I got older was because I was so focused on like having a life with like the outside world outside of dance world um, mm-hmm. but then my love my love for it overcame everything and so that was like one of my earlier obstacles And then getting older, um, it was just, like, mental things. I think, like, honestly, honestly, and I think a lot of people of of all cultural backgrounds, you kind of want to make your family proud. Yes. And being that my family and I are in the same, like, uh, lifestyle, industry, and everything, I just, my parents paved such a big path for me, and I wanted to make sure I just followed along and, like, gracefully walked that path to make them proud mm-hmm. um and that was some, a big thing on the back of my mind and then like normal things like besides dance i have a life you know i have other things to do yeah sorry somebody's opening up my garage door you're gonna edit that <laughs> in post-production what's up <laughs> all good <laughs> um, um and oh yeah other than that like relationships and like being um a I don't even know what generation I don't know if I'm Gen Z I don't know if I'm whatever but like yeah. being a person of the generation we're in it's a very like there's tech, uh, social media and like now also social media is a good way to like promote your business and so I was exposed or was not word exposing but <laughs> um putting myself out there mm-hmm. and that was scary at first I got such a good response, but just the first like post of a video or the first time sharing that, like, I want to be a teacher and the first time sharing my craft with people outside of Lucky Lani's, mm-hmm. that was so terrifying. Yeah. Um, but I had to push myself and 
um it's going I feel really good with the way things are going for myself right now um but I had to overcome my own like insecurities and and things like that and I and I'm in the competition world so like and it's a very vahine heavy world the solo competitions Mm -hmm. and so like you're always you're always going to be comparing yourself to someone else because it is someone that you're competing with and I had to learn how to change my mindset from like it's not you against her it's you against you And then once I came to more like understanding and accepting acceptance of like myself, honestly, um, mm-hmm. has like been the catalyst to a lot of things. Yes, that's. And I'm still going through that. Yeah, and I see. Like that's crazy that you do your own workshops because it actually actually think about that how crazy my first workshop was by myself without because I saw my I don't know if you know my older brother Mika then but uh, there were. Yeah, 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 they were fire dive champions as well, and they went to go teach until somebody. I guess my brother would, couldn't make it to one, and it was all the way in. It was all the way in Utah, and he's like, "Hey, can you do this for me?" And I'm like, uh, "Because I've I've done. I'm like I've, I've achieved some stuff myself, but I'm like, I was scared to teach. And like, what was that workshop for you? Do you remember your first ever workshop you had to do on your own, and kind of had to teach on your own without you know your dad and everybody being there? Well. well yeah and yeah so i the first workshop job i actually got was in no in london so what one of our older but it, it, one of our older dancers she ended up starting a group out there we haven't heard from her in such a long time her name is uh Kristin, Kristin resnick and her school is london hula london school of hula and ori and um she contacted my mom because she saw one of my videos and this was right after I got home from Japan. So, like, before Japan, I was going to, like, community college, having no idea what I was going to do, dance being the only thing I loved. So thankful Auntie Rose um, gave me a job to go to Okinawa. And then I came home. And Kristen had seen that I was, like, trying to do something with dance. And she was like, hey, like, is Kanani open for a workshop? And I got off the plane in o- from Okinawa. And my mom was like, hey, you have your next job. And I was like, what? And she was like, Kristen wants you to come to London. And I was like, okay. And my mom still came with me on those trips because we went to London like four times in one year to prepare them for stuff. And um, she was coming. She was coming with me on those trips. But it was one of the first times where I was the lead. And my mom was like helping and assisting me. Um, And then beyond that, I so crazy, like going through my timeline. I'm like thinking, wow. And then beyond, and then after those London ones, my mom was still with me. So I had a lot of like support. And then we went to Tahiti in 2018. And I had gotten asked to go back to Tahiti to perform in the Heva with Nona Here under the direction of Matani Kainuku. And I had, I had went there in like March, March, April, April, May, June. And I had to be there in June or something like that. And so me, I was like, 21 and broke and had no idea what to do and so I was just like whatever get over yourself do a fundraiser workshop and so I did a fundraiser workshop at Lani's, open to the public all with me like in charge of bookings everything like all of the behind the scenes and when the workshop happened and because of those fundraising workshops um, my name started becoming com- started coming out more of it as a teacher to more people beyond uh, London and or L- Kristen because Kristen's like the only one in London doing one of the only ones. There's like four teachers out there and that's mm-hmm. it. Um, 
And yeah, so thanks to those fundraising workshops, because I was freaking out that I wasn't going to make it back to Tahiti, I only I took the only thing I knew, which was dancing and teaching, and just put all my cards on the table and opened it to the public, and I had a great response. And on the inside, I was like crapping my pants, just <laughs> wanting to make sure everybody was happy. I didn't want to stutter my words or forget choreography. Um, and I remember being really, really nervous. And like, I would like, <laughs> I hid in the bathroom, I remember before my first one mm -hmm. and like talked to myself in the mirror and was like come on come on like you can do this you can do this like you overcame x y and z you can do this one and then i just walked out and the rest was history and i'm here today yes <laughs> and um, that's what i th i think i loved about your journey is that you i think i'll say this you're actually one of my inspirations of wanting to continue to teach and seeing you going all over the world like you're one of the first people oh, even though we're in two different genres of the same cultural dance you know, like mm. you kind of made me want to spread this art form that, you know, part of is still is still kind of niche. Not a lot of people do it. So to see how it grows, like to see how you grow your art is 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 pretty astounding. So I want to get back to Tahiti mm. and how you because a lot of people's dreams. I think a lot of Samoan fine art dancers dreams is to go back to Samoa and give back to mm. the culture that gave us this dance, you know. And so what yeah. was it like? to dance in Tahiti, dancing a dance that you love so much for those people and, and that, that feeling of being up there and hearing those drums. Because I feel like the drummers in Tahiti like, are like something about the drums in Tahiti. I've never seen it, but when I worked at PCC, they would come and I would hear it. <clears throat> it's just like a different vibration, you know? So what was that like to go back to Tahiti or go to Tahiti and compete and, or dance in that matter? Yeah, so... No, oh my gosh. Even just hearing the word Tahiti makes me so, makes my heart so warm. Um, so I went to Tahiti, it was, I went to Tahiti like three times, like as a kid with my group. And we stayed in hotels. We did the whole like vacation type of vibe. Of course, culture practices, but we were still like with, I was still with Americans, like living and staying in the room with my mm -hmm. fellow dance group. And then, so when I got asked to come back for Heva, it was just mm -hmm. me and Ofa at the time, my my boyfriend at the time, and he, and we got to stay in the house with Taishan family. And that is when I was like, oh my gosh, I have been coming to Tahiti in a way different way, thinking I was experiencing mm -hmm. wasn't. Once I stepped foot into the home of Taishan people, we woke up, we ate, we did everything together and like along the Taishan way, it was so life changing. So like, I remember like some of the life, like this besides dance, like some of the things that really hit me different culturally, cause I'm Polynesian from America. Yes. And like, mm -hmm. you know, there's just that also that weird shift of cultural differences too. And then, so there was like one time where I came downstairs, like hella rushing. I was like, I need to eat my breakfast. Like I need to make my costumes. And everyone looked at me. They're like, Hey, just take your breakfast. It's okay. <laughs> you can do this later. And I was like, oh my gosh, but like Matani said that we need to do this. And he was, they were like, no, it's okay. You know, we're here. We're all home. We just take time. And they're like, I don't know what it is about you, but you always feel this need to do everything fast and finish. Just relax. Kanani. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, is that the American <laughs> in me or what? Like, I just needed to finish everything and then they told me they're like why don't you ask hi how are you and and i was like it's not that i don't care about how you are we just have like a schedule and i needed to like do what it says on the schedule 
And they're like, no, we're home. We're in Tahiti. We relax. When the sun comes up, we come up. We wait till sun go down. Like all those type kind like vibes of just being on the islands and then worrying less, like knowing what we have to do, but just not really taking it with like that, like firm mm-hmm. approach. And like, that was definitely a big beyond dance thing that was nice to be around for sure. And that made a big difference on my um, approach to things or um, way of like thinking, like, I don't actually have to rush. It's okay. And then um, the dancing side, amazing. Uh, The thing that I really loved about being over there was that everybody kind of danced as, or everyone, not kind of, everyone just danced as a way of life. And as much as that is my life here, I also came again from the competition background. So I was always thinking like, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And I wasn't dancing to have fun anymore. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I was dancing to build my skill, which is fun to me. But then when we would like go and like do like Kani Kapila kind style at dinner, I would just dance, dance. And I was like, oh my God, I miss this feeling of just like moving my body with my like family and friends next to me. And not training like so vigorously, yes. so that was really nice. And then, and then it was so crazy to see the island. Like they had some of them like didn't go to work during pra- during Hava prep, and I was like, dang, you just stopped your life to go to Hava prep. That is sounds so mm-hmm. crazy to me, um, and it was so inspiring. And then there was also people that like were um, doing multiple things in their life and then still making it to Hava. And for me, like my life is dance. Um, and so just seeing both perspectives coming from people on their own island with their own um, cultural ways and stuff was really cool. And then one big thing that was really cool to me was actually the weather mm-hmm. in Tahiti. So like I felt like people in Tahiti took what was happening in front of them for what it was. So like it was like it was rainy. Oh, we don't have we have no practice. We didn't like try to like go find a place and like struggle, struggle to like go do things. And I was like, wow, it's just like we kind of just live with mm-hmm. the island that was also a really really cool thing to do versus living on the island yeah. if that makes sense and um creatively all of the things that i just said ignited my creative side and like changed my way of thinking and when i was out there for haven uh 2018 was the first time i ever written wrote my own uh competition piece which is what we ended up taking to Kauai. Mm-hmm which was really cool. And because I was so inspired by all that stuff, I was able to create more. And my dancing skill actually mm-hmm. changed. I think I actually got a, like a bit on the calmer, lazier, less vigorous training <laughs> side. So, which is so funny, but then mentally and spiritually, it, it uplifted me and inspired me like intensely. Man, I love that. I love that because like, uh, it kind of reminds, it kind of reminds me, I don't know if you remember my friend, Thailand. Thailand, Wendia. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, Thai. That's Thai the home. That's that's my boy, and he kind of said like when he went to Tahiti, like his whole his whole outlook on life changed, his whole style of dance changed, and his whole philosophy and things mm-hmm. changed. And hearing your like hearing your um, hearing your story and how you felt about it, like that's something that I would love one day to uh, to experience. Oh, and speaking of Ofa, he's uh, you can tell him. He is one of my favorite Twitter players in the whole world. Mm. So. He is a music machine. Thank you. I will yeah. for sure tell him. He's yeah, wild. Guy, I, I've seen his drumming videos. He probably, he's probably like, who's this guy with a fire knife picture liking all of his drumming videos? 
no no but yeah like i mean speaking of things that you're inspired by you know like who inspired you you know who are the dancers that you look up to you know i think that a lot of dancers uh you perform how like there's a saying that you perform like what you're inspired by you know so who are like dancers that you were growing up watching or Mm. people that you look up to now for for inspiration not only for your dancing but like made you want to be in the game Yeah, when I was really young, um, I remember because I, I I don't know, I remember when like I finally started getting like excited about dance. So I'd go on YouTube and I'd watch all my favorite dancers, some of them being uh, Michelle Tarleton from up in the north side of California. She now owns a group, Puro Atuendui. She had like the strongest legs I can remember. And I remember watching her technique. So the people I'm going to name actually just through video, I would analyze their body and then watch my own body and see the difference and then try to like uh, put in the way that their feet were placed or arms were placed or knees were placed so that I can improve my technique. And just by watching them, I never like met them at this time. Mm-hmm. And then um, Heu from Te Wakunui in Vegas, who's actually Ofa's cousin, so I'd like to think that she's my cousin. Hey. But um, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's bad, so bad. And the best like my favorite thing about Heu is that she was Polynesian and she was a Polynesian woman. And I, it was like one of my first like Polynesian uh, inspirations and idols, like as a young girl. And that was really inspiring. Um, who else? Michelle Tarleton, Michelle Baker from the North side to Cali, uh, Te Wakanui, Heu. I think that's, that's, that was definitely my three top dancers watching them growing up uh on like choreography or musical things or any around anything else would also be tiana leo fao mevinga leo fao and like all the nonacina family is amazing tiana took me under her wing when i was like 17 or 18 i think and just like we did a, a i was the dancer in her project and so during that time she taught me so much and like just took the time to like see me as a dancer and that was really really inspiring my mom and my dad um and then now like in current times for sure it would be um there's a uh Ra'atira master uh, Ra'atira master Oritaiti master Ra'atira of uh oh my gosh of Oritaiti the Pupu Ori Oritaiti in Taiti and his name is Tirao mm-hmm. and his I remember taking his workshop and being really inspired by the way he translated words through movement through Aparima because like of course, we all know our standard way of, like, making a flower with our arms or our hands. But he just, like, told the story in a different way. And that was really inspiring. Um, yeah, those are, like, the people I can name on the top of my head. But even, like, the people I meet in Tahiti, like, the random people I'd meet at the store, the way that they approached me, talked to me, the energy they gave me, inspired me. And I, like, never forget. I don't know that person's name. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anybody about them. But I remember the the woman that I met at Garfu in Tahiti changed my life forever and um yeah that's that's for sure that yes man that is yeah i mean those are some people that i mean even though that i'm not really a Tahitian dance practitioner like i've i've known of those people especially you know especially hail i mean i met her in vegas and mm. things like that and i feel like you know we 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 do take from the people that we are inspired from when we do kind of perform like especially for me like i look up to a lot of people in that genre in that respect and so like i would love that you can mm-hmm. apply what you feel from those people to your to your dancing and to your performing so i was gonna ask you know what is the most emotional performance that you've ever had like 
something that because in in Polynesian dancing, I say that you know when people see us in a show, like say we're doing a show at the Luau at Disney or something, like people walk away like happy and things like that. But mm. what it, like I would love for the some moments in some shows, especially in Polynesian shows, to be like emotional. We kind of make them cry a little bit. You know what I mean? So mm. what is what was like a most overwhelming emotional performance that you've ever been a part of? Was there a time where you're like, wow, this is, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. Or like, yeah, we can share a memory. Ew, you're going to get me all like emotional. I got a little teary. I just thinking about the answer to this question. Mm-hmm. Um, a few for sure. Um, I remember, I remember, it, hmm, I can name a few. So um, when I, it was like 2016, or 17? 2017. 2017, I wore... It was a solo competition, Oritaiti San Diego. And I wore my grandmother's uh, top that she had worn, like, long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I wore it for the competition. And I remember, like, I didn't go onto stage dedicating my dance to my grandmother. But I knew that I had her, like, on me, with me, because I was wearing her costume. And it was such a beautiful thing because we found the costume like a little bit just before the competition. And I was like, this is perfect. I I have to wear my grandmother's costume. And at the time, my grandma had already passed and she was like such a pillar for me. And um, I remember I had done a move where I just put my arms up in the air. And of course, you follow your follow your hands with your eyes, proper uh, Polynesian dance training. And I looked up, but I looked beyond my hands. And for some reason, my mind saw my grandmother as I like motion my body up into the sky like the heavens and I remember just taking that like and it was never planned I didn't have an intention really like walking on the stage it just was dancing but just that motion of like knowing she's with me and then like moving my body up to the heavens I was like oh my god and I got really emotional and then I wanted to cry when I was on stage and that was one thing that was like unplanned I didn't think would happen I didn't have any like before thoughts and that was a really cool moment and it was very natural, very organic moment. Mm-hmm. There was another one, uh, Hava. Hava, I remember we worked so hard for Hava. I always say going to Hava was my boot camp for Oritaiti, spiritually, physically, everything. And it was such a hard time because we're working for something. We were doing costumes like 13 hours a day. The two days before competition, we were doing our fresh costumes. And I was like mentally breaking down. And then when we got on stage and one of our first songs came on, we started singing and I could hear my whole group sing and I just broke down like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe I'm sitting on the stage with Nona Hede in front of like Taishu people doing, you know, their cultural dance. And I'm just so grateful to be here. And then the last one that really comes to my mind would be my first Kauai piece or my first competition piece that we ended up taking to Hewa Kauai because... Um, I don't know. I, I put so much of myself spiritually into the story and then seeing it like come to fruition was really crazy. And then I remember doing um, our first Otea and I just happened to just like follow my hands again. I like glanced over to the girls next to me and everybody was just like pushing it so hard and all the hard work that we had, it, it just came out and I, I started like choking up on stage um, I think they all kind of fall along the same thing, just like caring about it so much and seeing it happen in front of you is like a really, really crazy experience because you work for months on it and then all of a sudden you're on stage and then all of a sudden it's over. 
like you don't really do that again like you don't have that performance again mm-hmm. and no performance is like the no performance is like the last and so that was definitely really emotional for me um yeah I, it, mid-performance those were emotional experiences for sure yeah. i love hearing those because like you know, when, when someone has an emotional performance, it kind of, I, I feel like it kind of connects to your why, you know, why you do this, why mm. you love this. And, uh, you know, I love what you said earlier, uh, that life can sometimes get in the middle of uh, your prep. Sometimes life can be hard and it can affect your art. But uh, I think things like that, performances like that really uh, show your true passion for what you do. And I, and I love that. And I see that with everything that you do. And like my next question is, uh, where do you want to see the the future of Ori Tahiti? Because in the boys, for the boys, it's not a lot of Tunde, so like it's it's mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of rough to see where it's going in that respect. But where do you want to see it go for you? Like, what is what do you want to accomplish? Uh, you know, in your in your future of of this of this thing that we call Polynesian entertainment. I know that's probably another broad question. That's mm-hmm. but, um okay um what do I want to see with it I I I hear your question in a few different ways like what do I want it for myself what I want it for the world Mm -hmm. what I would like hope for in the world is that and I come from again my background is coming from Cali where it was very competition heavy Mm -hmm. and it's funny because now that we're in quarantine you don't have competitions so you can kind of see the like behavioral change i see it on social media about like what's quote-unquote important now to taishan dancers um and it's not solos anymore it's not training to be the best soloist anymore now now that quarantine's happening all the classes offered everything offered is a very group setting and i think we're actually it's actually really nice for us because we're going backwards Mm -hmm. so like in my, I'm 22, so I would say in the last, like, 10 years, 12 years, 13 years even, shoot, 15 years since I was, like, five, um, has been so competition solo heavy. And now with quarantine, which is a sad way to, like, transition this, but it's forced everybody to remember the importance and love uh-huh. of what we're doing because uh-huh. we took away the competition aspect. And what I'm seeing right now is really nice. Uh-huh. I really, really enjoy it. And I'm... I'm a, I support competitions. I understand what they've done for me spiritually and as a dancer and for dancers all around the world. Like I, I support them. I still do, but it's nice to actually have a year off and not even have your mind hoping or thinking for a competition. Cause like we have no, um, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow or the day after all of our lives right now are a bit up in the air. So it's really cool to just like eliminate that part of our brain. And I think that for those younger than me, which is weird because, like, I'm also a child, but um, <laughs> with, uh, those younger than me who came into it, like, I want to say, like, the kids who were born, like, 2000 or, like, late 2000s, it's nice for them to kind of see the other side that I got to see growing up, which had nothing to do with competition mm-hmm. or, like, things like that. And so um, yeah. on, one, on one perspective, on the competition side, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing now, and I hope that it, it keeps going. Um, for me, and also, also, I, I know Oritaiti is so, it's not the most, it's not like Hula, for example, Hula has a lot of, uh, question and there's an answer. For Oritaiti, it's such a, 
um, evolving art form and it hasn't been solidified to the maximum. Like in the conservatory, in the conservatoire in Tahiti, for example, they have all these rules, yes, but those rules or ways of doing things haven't been fully presented to the rest of the world. So um, mm-hmm. we have a lot of like questions like, is this right? Is that right? Can we do this? Can we do that? And, like we find that in Ordo Tahiti a lot. I personally would love there to be like a some sort of structure, but it's weird because on the other hand, because there wasn't that structure or answer to everything, it's created a lot of like, creative yeah interpretations uh, yeah exactly and then so there's that weird middle ground where i'm like or period there's that weird middle ground period and i am not sure where to go with it in my own art or my own creativity sometimes but i really do want to keep as i say this i always think because i'm so young Every time I say a thought or an opinion or a feeling, I always know and I keep in the back of my head that I'm open to that opinion and thought changing. So as I say this today, maybe I'll say something a little bit different Mm -hmm. later with more experience and exposure to Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But um, as of today, I just I feel like I saw a lot of like. hmm, How am I saying like craziness happened in, in creativity where I'm like, oh my gosh, is that even still Oditaiti? Can we call yeah. it Oditaiti? And I just kind of want to see the foundation of Oditaiti still come alive. And I think that comes from being one Polynesian and it being my brother, Taitis are brothers and sisters. I'm Hawaiian someone, I'm not Taitian, but it, you know, it's our cousins for sure. And um, I just want to see the foundation be pre- present yeah. still. Uh, if I that just, makes sense. Uh, amen. Um, but yeah. So, and then I, even like Tiana too, she was one of the people when I was younger who would say this. she was like, uh, you know, I, I'm from LA, like I love LA. So obviously I'm going to have that swag in my movements, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's important to understand the foundation before applying that extra yes. swag in, in, in creation and movement. So we have to just, I just always try to encourage everyone to keep remembering the foundation before we move forward versus knowing like versus doing our own stuff learning Tahiti and then moving forward. I just, for me, I think that there's a certain pattern to go forward with. That's a bit like more, uh, more um, respectable to the true people of Tahiti, true cultures of Tahiti. Mm -hmm. So I want to keep it cultural. And I think that would definitely be, I guess the future movement. And um, yes. (laughs) Also, which is really cool because you talked your um, last your podcast that was posted with um, I'm sorry he did oh, like mental yeah, work for yes yes, yes. Uh, and I also just want to bring I think in Polynesian households it's also not the most common thing to talk about mental yes. health yes and so I want to just use my platform to bring that more to attention and then use dance as as a therapy or a healing motion to deal with those types of things. Um, and I hope to speak to my, my Polynesian kids or, um, yeah, yeah, that. No, yeah, I, actually, there's so many things that you've said that are like the most amen things, you know, I know, like we're, I know this is an interview, but I think it's a good conversation piece, you know, with, uh, oh, yeah. uh, I'll start with the mental health thing first, you know, a lot of people know, like, you know, uh, I've been through it, you know, I've almost been to the point of committing suicide and things like that and this art form and what we're doing today is actually what's uh been saving me you know and and so Mm. like that's why 
I think this podcast and, and, and talking to my heroes, because I consider you one of my heroes in this game, um, is just getting people's stories out there. And, like, I know there's things in Polynesian health, households that they don't want to talk about. I don't know why that is. You know, we're supposed to be a loving, loving yeah. people and things like that. But we, sometimes we, we show it to the world, but we don't show it inside to our own families and to our own people. So mm. I love what you mm. said there. And then, like what you said about, um, like, Tahitian and, the you know, the basics and, like, like Hawaii, like, you're right. Like, if you ask Okumu something, they'll always have an answer for everything, you know? And, mm. uh, like, we, for me, going watching the Tahitian, rev- like, evolution of the dance, like, from the late 80s to the 90s to now, I feel like it's yeah. such a different dance. Like, I feel like. It yeah. is. It's so different yeah exactly and i think like too like so like even to like help those who are listening understand how using this art form for example for you kept you um head above the waters and me too like there was one time where i was backstage and i again i come from a competition world so a lot of my experiences stem from being in prep for comp but i was backstage for a competition and we were going out for overall so i had already done two other rounds and brought out all of my like all of my tricks in my bag, anything I could bring out for the first two rounds and come the third round, I was literally sitting backstage and I was like, yo, I suck. Like the people in front of me are so good. Like, what am I supposed to do now? I just like brought all my stuff out of the bag. I have nothing left. So in that moment, I was like, screw it. My theme on stage became about how I was comparing myself to the people around me. And I did this whole performance about, um, like how bad thoughts in your head and comparing yourself to the people around you isn't healthy and how it leads to self-harm. And I ad-libbed the whole thing. And then after it, I never won that competition because I was, I think I was a bit too theatrical and I wasn't putting enough mm-hmm. basics in there, there and then which goes mm-hmm. back to the other side. Um, uh, but I told the story exactly what I wanted to tell. And then after I felt so confident, no matter the result, because I talked about something that was special to me and it, and I'm, yeah, and I relate with, with, shoot, I relate with um, the bad sides of mental health and it, like, taking a toll on us. If it wasn't for creative dance, because also, like, in someone households or, you know, things are very mm-hmm. hush-hush or it's always, like, behind closed doors, but, like, also nothing house, or what's the word, like, it stays in the house, but, like, there's nothing progressing in the house a lot of yes. times. But we're told to keep our problems in the house, but we're not actually talking about what happened yes. in the house. Like, and so I was able to express some things that I felt hindered to express on stage, though no one knew what I was talking yeah. about. I Mentally, in my heart, I took that out. But, but no, yeah, this was a great conversation. Yeah. This is really cool. I mean, it, shoot. yeah, it's getting me all, all hyped, hyped too. Because, like, and especially with Fire Knife, uh, if I were to lay, relay back to that, you know, uh, Fire Knife, when we, when, when, well, I won't take credit for it, but when the, but when the <laughs> evolution of Fire Knife started to go in a different direction, we would get yelled at by the old school community saying, that's not San Juan, that's not Fire Knife, that's not traditional. Well, show me what is, because mm-hmm. there's some things that we do that we think is traditional and people don't think it, like there's no clear cut answer. You know what I mean? There's no, and then mm-hmm. there's no group sitting in Fire Knife. It's only by yourself. So you kind of have to figure things out on your own. And so, like, that's, yeah, these are great conversation pieces. Oh, man, this got, this got real mm-hmm. deep. But, yeah. 
there was one really cool um I didn't actually take the workshop but uh my friend told me about it and it was with Hinatea Colombani she's a a master in Tahiti too she owns a cultural center in Tahiti and she was saying she was like um she was saying something like we there's sometimes where it's really it was really cool to hear it from somebody from Tahiti they were like we can't complain about what's happening with Ori Tahiti around the world unless people like us from Tahiti do something about it. And she was like, you know what's really cool? We actually learn a lot of people. So like when we learn from a lot of people, so like you also doing the like different movements of with fire knife. Sorry if I, I don't have enough understanding, yeah, right. but something like that, like stepping stepping out of the box. Uh, Hinatea was saying like, we see that around the world and Tahiti actually learns from that. And it's created a better communication between us outside of Tahiti to those in Tahiti when those in Tahiti have actually had the open mind to be like, whoa, like Japan did this random move with the Fa'arapu and then all of a sudden Tahiti did it. And then vice versa, Tahiti did something and then like America did it. And it was like a really cool enlightening moment and a very, uh, what's the word, like modern way of thinking where Hinatea was like saying like, no, thank you to everybody for sharing my culture. And I'm here to give the answers I can, but you know, like if it wasn't for everyone also, it wouldn't be where it was today too. Of course, we identify the pillars and where it came from, but it's like, we're all like family. I just kind of want to like end it with that type of vibe. Like we all just trying to do what we love and in respect of everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could be a weird, it could be a weird fine yeah. line, but I don't know if you got a good, if you got a good heart, it yeah. always comes and we're out. doing it with the right intentions. You know, I think, yeah. I think um, a lot of, people see what all of us have accomplished see what you've done you know and wants to you know a lot of the young ones that look at you like oh i want to be that i want to i want to be a champion i want to you know be famous and things like that what would you say to like the younger generation that wants to get into this art form like if you're laying a message back to the younger kids what would you tell them before they get into this because i think from an entertainment standpoint i'll start like from an entertainment standpoint like getting gigs and like like, if you're not, like, doing it full-time, like, it can be a really hard life, you know what I mean? It can be really hard, and even competition oh, takes yeah. a lot out of you, and then after that, you have to find the next gig, find the next place, you know? So, what is, like, I mean, I'm not saying, like, kill their drudgery, but, like... No, yeah, I get that. How do we set, no, how do we set them up for success? Like, how would you set up a, a little girl that wants to be where you are, and how would you set them up to succeed? Mm. big question lots of ways for sure I always think of everything on a physical aspect and then the mental aspect physically um and then also everything begins with prep so physical on the physical side prep your body take care of your body uh muscle building and like craft forming your art and practicing really hard and whatever if it's oritaiti practice really hard with your basic steps but also take care of your body rehab your body and it's going to last longer and that would be something to train with, like, the mentality of training. Like, I'm going to train hard, rehab good. Train hard, rehab hard. Like, that type of vibe. It's all about prep and post to have the better performance, I guess, physically. And then mentally and spiritually, take yourself off of the movement and put yourself in a book. Go talk to, go talk to your elders um, and those who maybe have a, have a different cultural background than, than Polynesians do. Even talk to your own elders and how they, like honed in onto something that they've felt I just feel like 
conversation of people uh, before us and how they conquered something helps with like mindset and discipline, um, like discipline mindset. And then on the like culturally read a book about history of Oritaiti, go online and listen to legends and listen to the people of Tahiti talk when you hear, oh my gosh, when you hear the mana'o or way of thinking of, uh, for me as in what I'm doing, Tahitian people, it changed everything. The way how I explained before how they were just more relaxed about the morning routine mm-hmm. than I was. Just that conversation changes your approach to something and then you, you're easier on yourself with understanding of what needs to be done and you still do it at the best of your ability but there's this like learning of someone else's way of life and opening yourself up to other people really makes a big difference in your own mind and your own body so to be successful and great is always I always think it's subjective it's it's up to you what you find to be successful and great um my my tools to do that would be talk to your elders read a book and rehab your body yes (laughs) I love that Love these advices. <laughs> Probably gonna give it to myself too, because yeah, during this time, mm-hmm. like, oh, were you gonna say something? Sorry, I felt like I was cutting you off. No, no, no. One random thought I had that I wanted to say earlier too, but I forgot. Um, you asked me what my inspirations mm-hmm. were, and I also listen a lot to like Oprah or psychologists or TED Talks about people who've gone through things or people who are teaching people things, like just that also is what inspired me and just like understanding the way of our mind as in a scientific way, in a cultural way, in a spiritual way. It's just having an open mind. Shoot. I think that was actually the end result to that. All the, all the questions was opening your your mind. I think that's why, like, I think I mentioned this at Justin's episode, like he was kind of like the biggest reason why uh, I wanted to do this is because, you know, um, I think as uh, people in the younger generation, especially us, even though I'm like 26 and you're 22, I'm almost up there. But it's like we could teach (laughs) people to do this in the right way, you know, and think of it differently in a better way than just uh, winning the trophy Mm. or I want to be in the next great show Mm. and and things like that. And that's what I really love about our conversation today. And I think one of the last questions I want to ask you is what what do you want to be remembered for? You know, I think that is like the question that everybody loves when I ask because like everybody has such a different answer. But what is like the legacy that you want to leave leave behind um, after all the dust is cleared, after all is settled? You know, what do you want to leave behind in the dancing world mm-hmm. and in your life? Hmm. Um. Well, I've always been inspired by my parents and seeing how so many people come back to them and was like, oh, my gosh, thank God for your group. Or I always think I always say I used to write essays about it in elementary school, um, how my house was like a hotel because we housed so many kids who had um, less fortunate backgrounds. And my parents, they ended up coming to the studio and then they ended up moving into our house and how they're always like, I'm so thankful for you. And I think I would just want to be remembered for like helping someone better themselves um, I think about the people who have helped me better myself and how I'll never forget that person for doing that. And I, I just want to help people in, in what I know how to. And right now it's dance. I'm sure if I become a mother or, you know, grow and all these other experiences, I'll have more insight of something else. But um, I want to help people. I want to help people and I want them to remember that I helped them. I think also like 
um yeah I, I think that's kind of it or just like I hope I, I like I always hope that my dancing left a positive mark on their day or minute or moment if it's a show or a comp or practice I hope that my dancing because for me I always tell like I tell people like the way to show you I love you honestly is for if I do a dance for you mm-hmm. or something like that like maybe I don't have a lot of words but like if I dance for you trust like I can bring out every emotion that I have and I just I would just hope people remember me to help them or that I helped them and remember that my my movement spoke mm-hmm. to them because for me that's like one of my most valuable things I hold is my movement yes I love that and that's like one of the perfect things actually I forgot to I was gonna end on that question but I actually have one more question because I think for us here in Florida a lot of the younger kids they're like oh when I grow up I want to dance for Disney I want to dance for Cirque I want to dance is, is there a was there a stage mm-hmm. or a place that you haven't danced on yet that you would really want to dance for or your whole mindset is just gonna be you know focused on growing Lokilani's growing your brand like would there ever be a stage that you uh- would love to dance on other than uh, where you are when I was a kid, I used to dream. One day I would mm-hmm. do Heva, Heva Taiti, mm-hmm. which Czech, that was memorable. And then because I grew up with all Polynesian dance, so I was trained in Hula Samoan, Maori, mm-hmm. and Tahitian. I always, always wanted to do Merry Monarch. I think I'm a bit hitting the older side where I don't think I can do that one unless I really, really change my whole life. Um, but even like, like um, going to. Um, with, or how, like, Nonacina would do ex- exhibition on the Mary mm-hmm. Monarch stage. That has always been something. Like, I would hope to bring the team that I lead at some point in my life to make it like that, for sure. On that, If there was a stage, for sure, it'd be Mary Monarch stage. Just to show, because that's such a, like, a sacred place to be and such a, what's the word? Like, you have to work really, really hard to be on that stage. And I am obsessed with, like, working hard and like accomplishing something and so for sure that but if not like if I can think about anything it would just be having like I always wanted an army I've always wanted like a school of Oritaiti or Polynesian dance actually and just an army of Vahine and Tane just ripping it on every stage we go to uh, that is <laughs> yes Ooh, and Polyfest oh, oh, Polyfest would be dope oh man yeah, yeah that, that's a stage well that's why this year is really is really killing me because, you know, there was supposed to be a Friday night competition during Polyfest in New Zealand this year, and then mm. we're like, oh, you know what I mean? So, but yeah, mm. I was going to, I know I, we were going to end like two questions ago, but how are you dealing with this whole pandemic? You know, I know you're teaching a lot, and like, how is that making you feel like having to reach out to all these people all around the world, you know? honestly i mean um my i so thankful for all of our essential workers out there to put that out there please everybody stay home um but i'm not gonna lie i spent the last two years like traveling so much whether it was for competition dance or learning and i hadn't been in a place like in one place for so long and it was kind of taking a toll on my body just like traveling time differences sleeping on different couches and like different hotel rooms um doing what I love. So actually it's really nice. Now I teach in one place every day on specific times and I've actually really been enjoying it because I'm in a more controlled setting for what I love to do. Um, but I'm, 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 it's, I feel so 
I feel weird saying it, but I feel happy. I think it's done really good on my mental. I've had time to reconnect with my family members and um, my relationships. Mm -hmm. And I've been training for, I've been training myself a lot more, which has been nice. Cause like sometimes I get stuck in teaching and I won't dance for myself, but I've been actually having more time on my hands to do both. And that is a blessing. So I'm okay. I miss my parents because I'm not around them. We're, I'm in Fresno and they're in Costa Mesa or in south side of Cali. I'm in the middle. And um, I think that's the only thing. I just miss my parents. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm not doing too bad. I'm grateful that I have a job. I'm grateful that I have what I have. So I can't complain too yeah, much. Man. Or not a job, but a way of yeah. life. Yeah. We, oh, man. I wish this thing wasn't going to beep us out and like a like two minutes mm. but i would love to have ask you about that because a lot of people like i say i think we have time for that like how do you like a lot of people like even see us and what we do like oh you can't make a living dancing you can't make a living doing what you love to do like huh, yeah. yeah and we're, we're like we're testaments of how that happened like what would you say for people that that say or people that want to do what we're doing and like how would you what would advice would you tell them to like just get up and start it and, and have faith in it. Two quotes come to my mind. There's no time like now and dive into your obliviousnesses. Mm-hmm. Oprah sure. said that one. Oh no, no, not Oprah. Was it Oprah or, Oh dang it. Don't <laughs> was, quote me. Let's go Oprah. Stay to my Oprah. <laughs> said, I, Oprah said it, but I think she was quoting someone else. <laughs> it might've been, um, it might've been my oh. Angelo now that I think about it. But, um, those those two quotes actually like really changed my mind changed my life like I was just like you can't be scared you just got to do it there's no time like now if we keep like I would always think like I'll I'll perfect my craft and then I'll do something but your craft's always perfecting every day so I couldn't wait for that so I would just say like you have to step out of the box step out of your comfort zone and just dive into it and whatever happens happens and then whatever happens from your first like push or first like if you whatever it was first youtube video first class or whatever after that class you're allowed to be scared you can't be scared before you just got to do it and then after it, you'll have more insight and then as those fears come up you'll actually find more answers for it hey amen that's a huge amen <laughs> oh but yeah before we, i think before we before we end i just want to say thank you you know, for, for coming on. And I just want to say, like, I remember when us at Safety Timbuti came to uh, California. Mm, <laughs> yeah. The first time we, like, because I've seen, that was, like, my first ever Tasha competition I've ever, ever competed at. And I was just all my friends. And I got to see all the heroes that I've, that I've got to watch, you know, on video. And uh, you're one of them. And your group yeah. is one of them. And... And I love, oh, I mean, I love that we were surrounded by all that genius and for, and I love what you guys do. And I've always been a big fan of, I think you heard from your dad's episode that I, I really have such a love for, for Lokilani's and for everything that you have done and for the, for what your pops and your mom and, oh, and say hi to your brother for me, Keanu, even though, even uh, though definitely. I send fire emojis to his Instagram posts and never, you know, message me back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that on the the podcast so you can listen and laugh at it. But <laughs> yeah, Keanu, yeah, hit me up, bread. yo. But yeah, but I just want to <laughs> say thank you for every everything that you have done, and you've inspired so many girls here in Florida and and even uh, all over the West. I mean, the East Coast and New York and things like that. So 
I'm very grateful. So uh, where can our audience find you? Uh, where, where, what's your socials that they can uh, stay what you're up to? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Kanani Lokelani. My teaching website or teaching Instagram is Kanani Lokelani Workshops. TikTok, Kanani Lokelani. YouTube, Kanani Lokelani. Oh, shoot. I forgot about your YouTube page. All right. Yeah. Hey, yo. I, I, yeah, that one's a slow come up, but I'm trying to just get as much informational videos I can out there or something to help yes, out. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Well, guys, well, that is the end of this, uh, of this podcast with the wonderful Kanani Asuwenga. You can follow me at Rexy2Malu on Instagram. You- What's up, everybody? I hope you guys love that podcast with me and Kanani. I came out of that conversation feeling so edified, so motivated. Please do me a favor and follow her on uh, Kanani, Kanani Lokelani Workshops, her personal page, uh, the Lokelani's page, uh, her YouTube. Man, if you want more inspiration, go watch her stuff. It's such an amazing thing. Also, everyone, I wanted to bring to your attention the Mana Collective. We're going to start our own YouTube page. Uh, and even the Fire Knife Life podcast, we're going to do our own YouTube page with more content about unsung heroes of Fire Knife, uh, pushing out more Polynesian content that is really pushing the norm on what we can do with this culture and to push it out in the world. Um, and also, like I mentioned in our intro, we have our Kickstarter coming up soon for post-production for our um, Fire Knife short film, The Inner Battle. I'm so excited to share more uh, information with you down the line. Next week uh, is a very special week to me because we have the Mongomu Week. Mongomu Week is the uh, week that many of you have been waiting for, and that's uh, that's interviewing the original members of Mongomu, which is me, three-time world champion Via Via Tumalu, and five-time world champion Mika Ele Oloa, our friend Tuika Fomuina, and Natalie Oloa, the original members of Mongomu one of the top fire knife schools in the world. So, until next week, I'll talk to you guys soon.